I'm Linda Van Falkenberg. And I'm Ron Gore. And, and you're listening, listening to, to the, the Co Parent Academy, Academy Podcast. Podcast. Linda, in this Reddit post, we have uh, a mother who is trying to deal with her anger at her co-parent. And there's just a ton of information in here. So I'm just going to give kind of a general overview what the scenario is, and then we'll start walking through it. And and you'll, I can see your piece of paper over there. You got (laughs) got notes galore. I I should have my red pen like I did when I was a teacher (laughs) at me. Yeah, there's a theme here. I'm circling. So I'll let you walk us through it after I give the the basic okay. intro. So in this case, we've got uh, co-parents of a seven-year-old, and they have 50-50 time. They've been co-parenting for two years, and she says that they split split up because she was tired of how selfish he was then, and she feels like he's continued to be selfish. Um, he'll quote leave her on read. And then uh, she says that she has to be much more than 50% at, at times of a parent. So she's frustrated already. She has this baseline frustration level. And then she said two weeks ago, there was kind of a change that's got her angry. So about two weeks ago, he let her know that he introduced their daughter to his girlfriend and her kids. Um, and she's upset about it. Really, two things, two reasons why. Um, One, they had sort of talked about how to introduce a new romantic partner. And then secondly, she thought that they were friends, she says. So there's some stuff to get into there, I think, too. Mm -hmm. And then so two weeks ago, she found out that he jumped straight to a sleepover, having the new girlfriend and her kids overnight for the second meeting. I guess the second time that their daughter met these folks. And she's concerned because their daughter never had a sleepover before with anyone who was in family. And it's just too fast. She feels like he's manipulating the daughter. And so now she says that she's furious and she just feels so stuck is how she, she put it. And she's trying to figure out what can she do about all the anger she's feeling. She says she's having a hard time, not hyper fixating on how much she hates him right now. Pretty strong word, pretty strong language. So Linda fix the world's problems. (laughs) What do you see here? Well, my, one of my, favorite lines in it is that aside from therapy in parentheses, I'm on a wait list. Right. <laughs> what can I do about the anger? So that was a great way uh, for her to, to say, I, I get it. I need some, some work on myself, I think. Right. So I was, I was really glad to see that because most people only do want to focus on what somebody else needs to do different or did wrong. And I'm mad about Instead of maybe it's time for me to get some therapy with this. And I would say that's a a fairly common thing in separation and divorce that you, you may be rocking along decent between the, the two parents until one of them does get a serious relationship going. And it kind of doesn't seem to matter who gets it going first. Uh, The other person is suddenly going to be like, what? Right. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Um, hmm, I thought there still might be a chance for something here with us, you know. And then it just seems to take all that hope and and uh, possibility.
away. And it, it is maybe sometimes when the first part of grief begins. Am I hearing you say that it feels like maybe she hadn't really grieved right. the breakup even after two years? Right. And part of the language that she had in there, that she got rid of him because he's selfish. That's why they broke up. And she's upset because she thought they were still friends. Right. But why would you be friends with someone who is selfish, who won't communicate back with you when you try to communicate with them about big decisions, like she said? Right. And who leaves her to do most of the work? So is that part of what you're seeing that makes you think maybe she was hoping he would see the light when she left him and he never quite did. And maybe not be so selfish or (laughs) pick up. And and that could be even part of why she agreed to 50, 50 time or something, hoping he would do more of the parenting and, and step up maybe a little bit more or something. But uh, now she's bringing that word selfish back into it in terms of uh, moving too fast with the new girlfriend or the child is concerned. And she seems really hurt. Yes. By this, like legitimately hurt. Yes. And once again, it's a, it's a fairly, you know, most, most people of parenting age are young enough to recouple with somebody else down the road. And so you would think it would be a fairly expected scenario, you know, for everybody to, to experience. But uh, she obviously was not ready herself for that. And when a parent says it's too fast, um, frequently that means for them. And I noticed in uh, the largest paragraph there, she says the word I five or six times that um, it really is about her feelings about it, not so much. Um, She doesn't say anything about how the child has reacted to it. Now, I will give her the fact that most children, especially if they have seen their parents post-separation be friendly to each other, they are usually quite hopeful that the parents will reunite and the family will be back together. And so I have heard that terminology from the child many times. It just felt like it was too soon or it feels like it's too fast. So I have heard that from a lot of kids. And in our Co-Parent Academy, we have a course on how and when to introduce a new romantic partner. And it sounds as if they're in keeping in, on one hand what we say, because it right. seems like he waited two years. Yeah. And that's longer than what we recommend in our course. So on that end, it's hard to say that it's too fast when it's been two years. But it seems like it's... um. I can't remember what what this phrase was. Maybe it was bankruptcy. Like it happened slowly and then it happened all of a sudden. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, very much so. So I think uh, in this situation, him getting a new romantic partner happened real slow and then it happened way too fast. Right. Well, after he got one, it's happened really fast. Apparently. Right. And that is where it's it's really difficult for, once again, talking to a lot of parents who are in that position it i mean once you fall in love you want to share that with the rest of the world really quickly and so you're posting all kinds of things online about it for hmm, your ex and and your child even especially if they're teenagers to see and read and go oh 
you know, especially at certain pictures or whatever, you know, and it's, um, it really is. And, and maybe that's what she's talking about. I mean, you could take that. It's too fast, different ways. Um, it could have been that him ever starting a new relationship would have been too fast for the mother. Uh, it could be that, and I agree once again, that on the second meeting to do a sleepover, not appropriate. You know? Right. Not appropriate at all. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, I, I think it just the, pushing everybody together, the, uh, like she said, he's manipulating our daughter into being okay with the situation for selfish reasons instead of what is best for her. And frequently those selfish reasons are not really uh, anything ill-intentioned. They're, they're just, I want everybody to be as happy as I am. And, you know, this new woman has kids about my daughter's age. I think they'll have a good time together. You know, I hear that kind of thing a lot. So why should I postpone, you know, putting everybody together? Yeah. And and it'll be awkward to just have them meet in like a few minutes here and a few minutes there. It just seems so stilted when right. I could just, they seem to be getting along. You know, it's kind of like, I've, I've heard that too. It's kind of like, well, you know, I introduced them and they had such a good time. They wanted to sleep over. I've heard they just that wanted too. to continue having fun. So what what should the dad do if the daughter and the daughter's seven, he's introduced them, her to the girlfriend and the girlfriend's kids, and they're having a great time. And it's time to go. And the daughter says, oh, dad, I don't want to go. We're having such a good time. Why can't we just stay? Mm-hmm. So what does dad say to the, to the little girl? That, that is a, a really rough one. And I do believe that happens. I really do mm-hmm. for lots of reasons. But kids, I mean, would love to. Stay if they're having a good time and play with somebody, of course. Right. And so you could always say, well, guess what? We'll, we'll plan something for the next time you're over at my house. Right. But we'll figure that out. We'll plan that. Because what the main thing that most parents lose track of, and I would say male and female parents, because once, once the child does seem to be accepting of the new partner or the children of the new partner or both, they, they seem to forget that they are still the one biological link to that child. And that child does still want and need individual time with their biological parent. You know, if it's mom and mom's re remarried or, or is about to be, they, they need some one-on-one time with mom on a regular basis. If it's dad, they need one-on-one time with dad. And that just seems to totally go out the window. They've had all this. So many children through the years have told me how much fun they had at at that particular span of time, usually not as long as two years, like you said, where the parent is single, not in a serious relationship of any kind, maybe dating, but keeping it away from the child. And then, um, you know, it was just wonderful. It was all about them. They went places that they wanted to go, and they ate places they wanted to go, and that kind of thing. And suddenly, there's this other adult around with other children, and it's not all about what I want to do. Right. And you don't get a second chance to make that introduction. Right. And so everything may be fun in that evening when they first meet or the first time you're there. But then, you know, 
10 o'clock or 11 o'clock, somebody gets frustrated with somebody and then you're sort of stuck there or you yep. get up in the morning they're like, and, and the girlfriend's kids are like, why are they still here? <laughs> you know, there are lots of different ways in which it can be too much too soon. Exactly. And you don't get the opportunity to redo that. And, exactly. and one of the themes you and I've talked about a lot, especially like in the context of visitation is you'll always want to leave the kids wanting more. Exactly. And so there's nothing wrong with telling your seven-year-old, Oh, that sounds like so much fun, but not this time. You've had a great time. Yeah, wonderful that you've enjoyed yourself so much, but we'll figure out the right time to do that. But this isn't that time, but I'm so glad you had a good time. And you you do also, I mean, even if it were the child's best friend that had come over to spend the night, there's still that kind of awkwardness the next morning or a sleepover, you know, with a bunch of girls for a birthday party or something, you know. There's that span of time in there where it's awkward when everybody's first getting up in the morning. You're right. just kind of like, last night was good. Why are they still here? Like you said. Yep. So it's, or a child that age may, especially with mom saying she's never had a sleepover before with anybody who wasn't family. Um, it's very normal for the child to cry at bedtime and want to go back home or, right. you know, that kind of thing. So it would be embarrassing to, as child, if that happened, you know, if they were over at the girlfriend's house with her kids. And we don't, I don't think we know the ages of these other kids. No. And also, uh, what's the sleeping arrangement for dad and girlfriend? Are they, is the first time that she's really, really meeting these kids also the first time that they're all seeing their parents sleeping with each other? Right. That's strange as well. Mm-hmm. A bit of getting used to. Right. Definitely. And then the children tell me that they do feel literally shut out with the biological parent because, you know, if you, if the seven-year-old has been sleeping in her own bedroom at dad's and let's say she has a bad dream, she is used to being able to get up and go into his room and maybe crawl in or whatever. And now, wait a minute, (laughs) right? there's no room in the bed for her. And so kids have told me lots of times about that situation where they're just like, or the door's locked which might be appropriate, um, you know, and it's impossible to go in and get comforted. And which is a, another reason why it was a good idea. Like mom indicates for them to talk in advance about how this inter- introduction was going to go. And dad just kind of hijacked the process, which of course would make mom upset and feel, uh, Maybe a little betrayed, especially if she still had feelings for him. Not that only is a good one for it. I think that, yeah. that comes across a lot in here. She doesn't use it, but I think it's the feeling. Right. That's the sense I got from her. Yeah. Not only is her friend abandoning her for someone else. Right. But he's disregarding what they agreed to, yeah. at least in her mind. Why do you think she says she feels stuck? That's an interesting word at the yeah. end of this. I think she feels stuck because... It's not as if, and she says in here, you know, he's not abusing her. Right. So it's not as if she's abusing, he's abusing her. And she doesn't feel like it's enough to go back and do some sort of modification. So she feels like he's taking advantage of the situation and he's put the daughter in a position where she really can't go backwards. You know, you can't, you can't unre, you can't, hmm, what is the word? <laughs> I know this. I know the person. Something like that. <laughs> you can't, uh, you know, the introduction has been done. So that's water under the bridge. Um, so she can't undo it. 
she doesn't like how it was done, but it's not bad enough that she could, she feels she could do something about it with the courts. So she just feels stuck in this scenario that he's created with some girl. She didn't want him dating with kids. She doesn't know in a way they didn't agree to. And if he's like, she says, she maybe even is going to try to communicate with him about it and he'll leave her on read quote unquote. And we don't even know yet what the little girl thinks about, you know, I me. Mean, I'm always thinking about what the kids are thinking. Um, <laughs> we don't know. Maybe the little girl actually likes the new woman and really likes her kids. Yeah. What's mom going to do about that? That's well, going to be something to deal with. I thought about that too, because I have a feeling if the little girl was upset, that would have been said. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she was upset. Mm-mm. And in my experience, too, the younger they are, usually under 10 or 11, they are going to be pretty quickly accepting that new person. Sure. And in fact, if if they have been introduced to, really put around, uh, had one a while back that the, the girl was uh, always put in a position of either moving in with the new, I think it was always moving in with a new woman because dad was kind of not sure where to live after the separation. And he would, you know, maybe couch surf for a little bit and then he'd get a new woman in his life and he'd move in with her. And so the little girl was frequently having to change where she lived with dad and, or stayed with dad. And so she could tell me about all these different people that they had stayed with, they had lived with, and he was in a relationship with. So, you know, she had some that she really liked and some that not so much. Um, one she couldn't remember the name of, she called her, she called her. Number nine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she was just like, the other one. That's what it was. She called her the other one. I can't remember her name. Right, that's not a good look. <laughs> so I think it's really important while she's doing her own therapy for her to also be vigilant about separating her own feelings about her ex-husband from her daughter's continued relationship with him and budding relationship with the woman that may be her stepmother someday. And it's in those children, but it's, it's really difficult so many times to separate your feelings, her stage of grief from that of her daughter. Hmm. And then just lastly, getting back to the betrayal angle of it, I feel like she's so angry because she does feel betrayed because it's a violation of trust on a couple different sides. One, this new relationship when she thought they were quote unquote friends and two, he's disregarding what they had agreed to do. So he's broken her trust twice and she's looking for a stopgap into how to deal with the anger before she can get into therapy. So how does a person, what steps practically mm. can a person in her position take before they can get into some real good therapy to deal with that violation of trust and the anger or resentment that comes from the betrayal? Well, she says the word hyperfixating here on how much she hates him. And so if she were my client, I would be asking her to do what I call a reality check. And we've got an example of that in one of our, our lessons, one of the handouts. 
where she does write all these things out, just kind of like she's done here, only kind of bullet point them so that uh, these are the things he's done that were uh, betrayals. Just you know, to focus on that. And then to be able to look at it, maybe a little more realistically, you take each one of those things and you try to see it from a different perspective, from his perspective more clearly. And to see, you know, if if he is somebody that she has enjoyed being with at a different stage in her life, if if she's if he's somebody that she still enjoyed in some way, if she's saying we were friends, then that hints that there was some sort of enjoyment still happening between them and some sort of trust. And so, you know, just just for her to be able to look at that and state, was he really trying to betray me or was he really just caught up in this new love and relationship? And it does feel like he left me over here to the side to do that and forgot about what he uh, claimed we would do, you know, if this ever happened. Right. And so when you start to look at the other person's point of view, not as a they're out to get me or they were out to get me, but this is how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm, I'm free to have that feeling, but is there another way to look at what he was doing and how he might have been thinking or feeling? And then maybe to reach out to him yes. and let him know how she feels. Yes. And then hopefully he'll apologize. And you can definitely use that writing to have that kind of, if she reached out to him right now, it probably wouldn't be real helpful. Right. And, uh, but if you did that writing first and you, and you tried really hard to think in his mindset, to try to see what he was thinking, then she could approach him with, I realize that you are probably just so excited and caught up in your new relationship that you didn't think about how it would to me or to our daughter, you know, so you could, she could use that, that yeah. realization that she's had. And then maybe she can take this opportunity to move on herself. Yes. I mean, this is like, that's, what is that parable of the frog and the scorpion? You know that one? I've heard that. Yeah. So in case anyone hadn't heard it, it's the, I think a, a frog is going across the water and a scorpion is asking for a ride. The scorpion gets on the frog's back and the frog says, Hey, you know, don't sting me because if I die, we both die. And they start going across the water and the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog's like, why would you do that? And the scorpion says, eh, it's just my nature. <laughs> so, you know, maybe this is just his nature. It kind of fits with how she's described. And maybe right. this will be a good opportunity for her to realize that it's time for her to find a, a different scorpion. I really or not a scorpion. <laughs> Some I other really did deserve something else. Something yeah. that won't sting me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to leave questions, comments, or concerns, please email podcast at coparentacademy.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen.